I've just about had enough of you. I think you'll be able to respect a husband who's probably pulled the scientific boner of all time. In my case, sir, the question is totally without meaning. Irony, one of the funniest forms of humor. I have made a woman. The tinsmith forgot to give me a heart. Think all is never wrong. Never wrong. Hello, and welcome to another episode of 50 Years of Shit Robots with me, Matt Brown. Hello. Dr. Professor Stephen Murray. Hello. And brand new Doctor Who nerd, Doctor Who tickler, but definitely not Doctor Who expert, Neil Bushnell. Welcome to the show, Neil. Hello there. It's very nice to be here. You and Stephen have known each other for a long time, haven't you? That's right, yeah. We've known each other through Stephen's university dabblings and uh, Animex Festival dabblings for a long time. You did a talk at this year's Animex, didn't you, Neil? I did, yes. Yeah, um, I did a talk about my... My, my day job is working in, in animation. Yeah. And um, I work for a studio at the moment called Atom Hawk, which is a concept art and animation studio. Yeah. So um, I was at Animex to do a talk about uh, the work that we we do there, which was fun, and it was a nice chance to catch up with Stephen. And I missed you by a day, I believe. <laughs> yeah. A matter of hours. hours. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. That's a shame. And the connection that you and I have is that we have also known each other for uh, many, many years mm. um, uh, because through our respective writing, uh, authorings. Yeah, well, I've written two children's books, um, which were a series of time travel fantasy adventures. Uh, the first one's called Sorrowline, and the uh, the sequel is Time Smith. And then, yeah, since then, I've carried on uh, writing. I've written a, a series of adult science fiction books, um, a couple of standalone um, uh, books. One's a comedy, one's a, a young adult story. And then I've also written three Doctor Who audiobooks. Uh, the first one was called The Ashes of Eternity, which was a ninth Doctor uh, and Rose story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that came out about uh, two years ago, I think. And then um, I've had two out, or one out so far this year, and one is coming out um, around about now in, in a few weeks' time. Uh, so the second one was called The Ice Kings, which was a Peter Capaldi uh, Doctor story, and uh, the next one is called The Romanov Project, and it's a, a Jodie Whittaker 13th Doctor story. Did any of yeah. the Doctor Who stories that you've written involve robots? Yes, they did. Uh, the Ice Kings is um, is all about a race of Terminator-style killer robots, one of which, the, the last surviving one, uh, ends up in entombed in ice. So it's all, it's kind of a, a tense thriller set on a ship in the middle of the uh, the Caribbean Sea with a with a killer robot frozen in in uh, a block of ice and the Doctor on board. Amazing. I'm in. Amazing. <laughs> so who better to help us yeah. navigate yeah. the the murky robot waters of Doctor Who than yourself? <laughs> well, that's very nice. It's nice. It's nice to play. Um, So, um, we're going to be chatting today about the 1966 non-canon film, Daleks, Invasion Earth, 2150 AD. But just before we do that, can I just ask you about the work that you've been doing on the Hooniverse? Yeah, so my, my, as I said, my other job is working in in animation. So, um, I've been lucky enough to work on about four um, Doctor Who Blu-ray box sets so basically what what the the bbc do is they package up 
the uh, the kind of classic series um, uh, Doctor Who as series box sets for Blu-ray. And as part of that, they they restore the picture and, and make it look fantastic, which is which is really good. But they then also offer special edition versions of particular stories with new uh, visual effects and animation. So you can still watch the original version, but you have the option of watching it with new uh, animation and, and visual effects. So I've done uh, about four of these now. The last one that I did was the the Five Doctors. So yeah, it's kind of you know it's really nice to be able to play with uh, those original stories to hopefully add something new to it. And then, as I say, my other job is is the the writing side of it. So I get to play in slightly different areas of of the universe and um, and play with different different parts, which is fun. Am I right in thinking that some of the episodes that were lost slash wiped mm. by the BBC have been animated? That's right. Yeah, there's there's a ninety something episodes, ninety seven, I think, or ninety six episodes missing. Mm. Um, so yeah, originally after broadcast, those tapes were just wiped effectively and reused. Uh, so a lot of those original broadcasts are lost, but a lot of uh, dedicated fans recorded the audio from their TVs at the time. So the audio exists, the script exists, and some reference pictures exist. Uh, so several episodes have been uh, recreated as animation. I co-produced two of those, which was the the Ice Warriors it was a two uh, sorry a six part story, but two episodes were missing from the archive, so so we recreated those as as animation, and they, they were released on on DVD to kind of complete that that story. And are they available on the Hooniverse on iPlayer at the moment? Yes, they yeah, are. They are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I did check. If you go onto the BBC iPlayer and and look for the Ice Warriors, which is a second Doctor story, uh, you can find those two episodes on there. Brilliant. Absolutely love it. I right. remember recording off the TV as well. I really? Yeah. yeah, my cassette. Yeah, loved it. So today we're chatting about A Dalek's Invasion Earth, which is the second Amicus film, Doctor Who Amicus yeah. film. The first one was Doctor Who and the Daleks, which was, uh, and both of these are based off Terry Nation scripts that were filmed by the BBC as part of the Doctor Who canon. And one of the things that the BBC are doing that they've announced is that the the Doctor Who and the Daleks TV episodes, which were called the Dead Planet, I think, yeah. they have made a, a 75 minute cut down of that and added some new stuff and um, uh, changing the look of it. And we were saying that actually, if they wanted to be faithful to Doctor Who, that they should immediately after broadcast wipe uh, <laughs> wipe those episodes, but save them on a memory stick. And hide them in somebody's, someone, someone's grandma's flat, uh, so that in sixty years' time, somebody can find them and then show them again. That would be fantastic. I think. I think just to be to be really true to it all, you you need to reduce the quality of it, yeah. transfer it to film, yeah. and yeah, maybe split it up as well. Maybe That's, put three. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, put it on and, eight. Put it on eight millimeter. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and yeah. send it to some African foreign channel that um, that has an archive somewhere because that's where a lot of these have been recovered from. Is yeah, right. they have, is, haven't uh, they? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think Metropolis was found in in Argentina. Really? Was it? Yeah, it was. That's wow. cool. full version of Metropolis was found in Argentina. Amazing. amazing. And, and quite a few uh, films were transferred over to either sixteen mil or eight mil. And some things like uh, Robin Redbreast only exists now, which is a folk horror film, only exists in, 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 on 16mm. Amazing. Right, so shall we adopt 
the brace position and <laughs> pop on our our robot examining pince-nez and have a have a good old look at Daleks Invasion Earth 2150 AD. It's getting the, t- the, the team back together again, isn't it? Because it's uh, directed by Gordon Fleming, who directed Doctor Who and the Daleks, the first Amicus film. Hmm. Um, it's been written by Milton Sabotsky, who was the writer, based on a Terry Nation script. So Terry Nation has... has uh, creamed a bit of cash out of that just a little bit <laughs> um and it, of course it stars peter cushing as the genial twinkly-eyed uh, doctor i mean what did you think of the first film the doctor and the daleks neil i guess i'm less of a fan of the first film i have slightly vaguer memories of, of the the first one I, from from i never saw either of these at the cinema um i discovered them on tv you know, in, in my youth, probably. Um, Invasion Earth is the one I remember. You know, there's lots of scenes stand out in that. Whereas the first one, I can't really remember much about it. And I think it's it, it just seemed like a bit more of a slightly less memorable, less interesting film to me. So yeah, it's drifted away in my memories. Your memory banks. Yeah. Even the, yeah. Even the beautiful Thal's makeup. <laughs> <laughs> I probably need to watch it again, don't I? Yeah. The Thal's are definitely the high point of that film. Oh, yeah. it's really like I, the I think thals. the last time I watched it, I just got a bit bored halfway yeah. through. I think yeah. that was our big criticism of it as well. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas but, this one... Whereas is, this film, I got, much more I got bored a quarter way through. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. So a little, a little sniff of, of plot... Is is that um, Doctor Who, and there are some old friends from from the first film and some new friends as well, mm. because Susan uh, is it survives. Who's the little girl? She she is accompanying her grandfather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the Doctor, but um, <laughs> well, no, he's Doctor Who, isn't he? He's not the Doctor. That's right. He so is. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Her name is Who, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, and he's human, and he's he's an eccentric professor yeah. um, inventor which is yeah. crazy now that this is something that is i think is quite interesting something that we sort of did touch on when we we chatted about the first film is that i suppose that there are lots of things about the doctor that we know now you know that he is from mm. gallifrey that he stole the tardis that he is you know like thousands of years old and has you know has, has been traveling around through space and time for all, for all this sort of huge amount of time which at this moment in time, when in 1966, when they were making this film, they probably didn't know all of that, did they? It feels like the origin of the character is that he is a sort of like a... He's got a shed, and he's like, <laughs> he likes inventing things. He's human and not extraterrestrial. Is that fair or is that is that not fair? I, th- I think you're right that we probably need to think about it in the context of when it when it was made and, and where that fits within the, the TV series continuity yeah and lots has been added to it since then mm. but I, I think i think he was well I, yeah i'm fairly certain he was always an alien he was never okay human so i think yeah. that's a definite difference i mean maybe uh, yeah you're right i think gallifrey as a named planet came along later on but i think he was even from those very early ones he was a he was running away from his own people okay. and, and not a human, not a kind of madcap inventor who'd made the TARDIS. So, yeah. so there's definite, there's a definite divergence. There's a parallel universe thing going on with, ah. with the movies. 
But the original Dr. William Hartnell was very dark. And you can mm. see a lot of parallels between him and, and uh, Bernard Quatermass. You can see that, that yeah. Doctor Who was a kind of a, 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 a Bernard Quatermass for younger people. But they didn't transfer that over into the films. Which no, is he's, odd he's quite because, different. Yeah, because yeah, Hammer recreated the Quatermass uh, films and they did Quatermass in the pit. They, they did it really well and sympathetically. Mm. And they don't seem to have done that here. No. They don't seem to have transferred over all the main elements that keeps you watching Doctor Who. The Doctor on the TV is is ready-formed and dark. He's putting people's lives in danger. Yeah. You don't trust him. But that doesn't transfer over to the film. Like you've mentioned, he's just like a bumbling old man. Yeah. Mm. But, sorry to go back to... Um, this idea of, of like the intention of the writers when they created Doctor Who. Mm. Is there anything, is it explicitly said that he's an alien or is that something that has, that we've have, we've inferred? I, I could be wrong. As you said, I'm, in, I'm more of a nerd than an expert, but I think that was in the DNA from the beginning. I think yeah. it wasn't intended that he was an alien uh, or you know, not, not, you know, human, certainly not from our, present day according I mean, they, to an article in sorry. the vox he said when the original doctor william hartland was ailing towards the end of the run of the show the series producers hit upon something ingenious since the doctor was an alien mm. so there you go he was okay. an alien yeah he could appear to die then stand right up as another doctor and regenerate mm. yeah yeah so Excellent. it looks like they did there have was. that right from yeah, the yeah. Outset. and yeah. so is there do you know why that they've sort of gone down the human grandfather route for the films you know i'm not sure i'm not sure i would imagine it's just it, maybe it's an accessibility there's less baggage mm. to explain there's less things to explain mm. but then you do get really interesting uh contradictions because they've they've kept the tardis as a police box and then they've kept that the interior is bigger than uh the outside yeah but they're never never explained that just presumed i guess that people will 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 realize what that is but if you do if you watch it in isolation and you've never seen the tv series and, and somehow have never heard of doctor who yeah then that would be a really confusing thing that you'd want explaining as a as a kind of plot point for what yeah. what is this it's not it's not a kind of hg wells uh george pal time machine it's not a delorean it's a it's a, a kind of a familiar at that time a very familiar object on the street mm. but with this trans-dimensional interior that's huge yeah. um transferring that element through is it, it's it just seems a bit odd i think i guess you know that they, they, they would keep certain elements but but jettison other things that wouldn't possibly explain that like if they'd said oh he's an alien you could sort of explain why the tardis is like it is in the movie but yeah but as soon as he he is now a, a nutty professor then it's it all bec it, i don't know maybe i'm i'm just picking one small thing apart there but it does feel like it's it's changing certain things that then start to break other things. Yeah, no, I I I, I mean, in in the defence of Milton Sabotsky and this film, there is a, a brief explanation about the interior of the TARDIS, um, because Bernard Cribbins says, oh, "I can't believe it's 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 bigger on the inside than it is on the outside." <laughs> and what about the inside of that thing? Well, on the outside, it's ordinary enough, but inside, it's the size of a house. Oh, my boy, I like an inquiring mind. Just as time is regarded as the fourth dimension, so space is equally the fifth dimension. For space knows no boundaries, and it's completely timeless. 
Now, I'm sure that's made it perfectly clear, eh? So we've got the Doctor, we've got Susan, we've got Louise, who is his niece, mm-hmm. and we've got Bernard Cribbins, who is a policeman, um, who all travel forwards in time to the year 2150, where the Daleks have invaded Earth. And so the plot of the film is essentially them with a, a group of under, underground resistance trying to uh, stop the Daleks. I would say that the, the opening section of this... Bernard Cribbins is sort of introduced to the TARDIS. I thought I really loved this bit. Mm. I thought it was excellent. He's a policeman who's trying to stop a bank robbery in London. And uh, he chases the thieves and sees the police box because he's a policeman and he goes inside and he sees the doctor and everybody and the massive interior and he faints. And then they, the the TARDIS leaves sort of thing. I thought that was really nice. He has yeah, been he has been walloped. Yeah, that's true. He has been walloped. Yeah. He has been walloped. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful opening sequence. It's it's quite arty, really, in the, yeah. in the way it's filmed, and you know, no dialogue and what have you. And I love uh, Bernard Cribbins throwing his truncheon <laughs> as, yeah, as well when they're driving away. It's just like yeah. the futility, right? Get you know, have that. Yeah, <laughs> I thought but, yeah. To, to connect the police box to a policeman, I thought was that's true. was was really really kind of like neat and nice, and that that is a good reason why he would open the door of a police box. What did you think to the hilarious uh, breaking, breaking the fourth wall? Breaking the fourth wall. Yeah, yeah. I hated uh, yeah. it. I absolutely hated it. It's about sort of. 60 seconds into the film. It's like, mm. right, I, I've tapped out of this film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was your point, wasn't it? I'm out. It's, so so Bernard Cribbins has got into the TARDIS. Uh, the TARDIS leaves just as another member of the public is about to call the police using the phone box. He goes to lean on the, t- on the police box mm. and it vanishes and he falls flat on his face. And then there's a big close-up of him that he just like looks and stares into camera and does a sort of like, oh, what just happened there sort of face. <laughs> Cut to uh, cheap James Bond title sequence. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> While we're here in the TARDIS, one of the our big criticisms of the first film was how awful the interior of the, the TARDIS looked. It's had a mm. real redesign in this. He's tidied it up, hasn't he? Yeah, in the in the first film, it lo- does look like a an inventor's shed mm. with just wires hanging around all over the place, and there's a rocking chair in it, and all, ma- all, all manner of terrible accoutrement. But but I thought it was much better. I think because it look, star has started to look a bit like the interior of the TARDIS, like it could function in yeah. some way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely there's a there's a bit more of a, a sense of purpose to it. And um, I love the fact that the the look of the dolls, for example, informed the TV series when it came back. So it's kind of, you know, obviously the film came from the TV series, but then when the TV series came back, they went, right, we really like the way that you can see the inside of the, the wooden dolls. But then those rickety wooden uh, exterior dolls just on the inside feel like you could just fall out. And they have a snack. At the top, yeah, <laughs> snack. It's not a word you hear very often these days. <laughs> but we think that it's a positive move, the interior of the TARDIS, yeah. but still probably not as good as the TV show. No, I think that design was iconic. Yeah, yeah, it feels like, it, and and it? every iteration, even the the um, most outrageous one, still had the central thing that goes up and down the column, that, yeah. that mimics the sound. Yeah, gorgeous sound. Yeah. Mm. 
which created in the radiophonic workshop. And yeah, do you know how they created that? You probably do because you're all massive oh, nerds. Come on, a, pop quiz, pop quiz. Um, which of is, the nerds is the best nerd? I'm, I'm trying to think of the name of it. It's now. a violin bow. Yes. It's a violin bow. Violin bow. Yeah. No, well, it's the according to the guy. Oh, it's a key. It's a key on a, piano, oh, piano string. Yes. On, on, on piano yes. Yes. Yeah, key on piano strings, and then he said that they then sort of like changed it, and you know did did things to it. But yeah, that is, stretched that is, it. That is the source mm-hmm. of it. If we take these two 1960s non-canonical Doctor Who films as a sort of mini universe, um, then I've got a couple of plot points. I found it quite difficult to square because there seems to be no explanation. The first is that um, in the first film, Doctor Who and the Daleks, uh, the Doctor and his friends think that the Daleks have been eradicated. Um, and yet in the second film, Invasion 2150 AD, they turn up again. Um, and that seems to not <laughs> to not baffle anybody. Um, and the second thing is I don't think there's any explanation as to why they're travelling to 2150 AD in the first place. That's and, never explained. It's just he, he jumps, uh, Tom, Bernard Cribbins, falls into the TARDIS and then they're off. Yeah. I think there is a line about, I think the Doctor the Doctor Who does say something like, I thought we'd kill the Daleks yeah, on Yeah, he does, Thal. yeah, yeah. And then I think he, he I mean, unless I'm mis- misremembering, I think he says maybe this is before we did that. Okay. So I think, I think there is a line in there maybe okay. to... fair enough. To, to deal, I think, yeah. to deal with that. I think well, we, you know, we've given this more thought than the writers did. So. <laughs> well, all of this could be solved if they'd tapped into the multiverse. Thing. In what way? Well, if 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 it's a multiverse, then they could they could easily say they've gone, they've gone. They could say they've gone back in time to World War Two, mm-hmm. but the enemies weren't then the Germans; they were the Daleks, and yeah. the, and you've got the whole thing because the multiverse goes back to the sixth century BCE. That was something that was kicked about by the Greeks, and right. even even Winston Churchill in his book My Early Life talks about the multiverse would you believe what so the idea of multiverses was a a thing because the greeks talked about it and winston churchill talked about it and if they'd have just said yes this isn't this isn't the universe that 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 our world is in it's a it's a you know mirror universe or whatever Mm. yeah yeah then that could have got them out of every single possible plot hole imaginable so and fairly early on in 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 this we're in london in what looks like like Second World War Blitz London, in mm. that the, there's just like ruins of buildings. And we get to meet the Daleks very quickly, actually. Um, we see, for the first thing we see is their spaceship, is that right? Quite remarkable. It's a flying saucer. Yes, that's a very apt description. The, the ship was designed by uh, Ted Samuels and his effects team. I thought it's it looked beautiful. really good. Yeah. I loved it. Those yeah. shots of it flying over London, um, I think, are really still really effective. Um, and still, yeah, st- well, <laughs> no, they they have they did redo it in CGI for the cleanups. <laughs> did they? Yeah, yeah, Just yeah. The ship together. was on wires. Yes, uh, yeah. was it? Was it? <laughs> 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 it's it's pertinent information, there which is, is. It, this, and it was flown over a model set of the London skyline. There we are. And then the first time we see a Dalek, mm-hmm. I discovered 
when I was watching it with Stephen, that this was like burnt into your memory, wasn't it? This yeah, moment? very much so. This it's this an iconic scene, isn't it? This terrified me mm. when I was a kid. I remember it vividly being in the cinema and the Dalek coming out of the water and thinking, oh, my God, there's another dimension that they can exist in. Yeah. And that just horrified me. Mm. So it just sort of it sort of comes out of the River Thames, so it gets closer to the shore and so more of it is revealed as it comes yeah. up. I mean, it's at no stage is it revealed what it's doing in the Thames, other than maybe having a bit of a swim. <laughs> oh, a swim. I, I, I feel morning to shut you up here, Mr. Brown. <laughs> <laughs> but we never see any, This that's the one, I mean, it's, like I said, it's, it is brilliant, it looks great. Mm, yeah. And they and, did that in the TV series, that's where it... Oh, it, did they? It, yeah, it was the cliffhanger of uh, in, in either the first or second episode of the TV series, where this story came from. I'm ashamed to say, Neil, that I haven't I haven't watched the TV, you know, the episodes mm. that this is based on. The tone is quite different. The, 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 the ridiculous plot is pretty much the same. Yeah. Um, the reason the Daleks are there is the same. Um, but the the tone of it feels very, they lean much more into the feel of kind of a post-war, uh, you know, kind of um, invasion, you know, the kind of the anxiety of World War Two and all of that. Yeah. And... Um, it it has a scent. It, it's much longer as well. It's it's quite plodding in places. It's I think I can't remember if it's six or seven episodes or whatever. Mm. But um, they've kind of condensed it down into more of an action-packed version. But yeah, the TV series is it's really worth a look because it does have yeah. a, that sense of kind of uh, tension and doom about it that I yeah. think the film has at times, but most of the time doesn't. No, it doesn't. <laughs> Just as, as you've mentioned it, I mean, let's talk about the, the reason why the Daleks have invaded Earth. Um, mm. oh. Because <laughs> the film sort of takes place in, it takes half takes place in London and then mm. half takes place in Hertfordshire. Just outside Watford, isn't it? This mine. That, That's right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so glamorous. This <laughs> mine. Yeah. Uh, and um, so, yeah, so, that, so they've got this mine in the countryside. And, and can you explain what is it that they're, that they're mining, the Daleks are mining? Well, I'd love to, um, <laughs> if I could. So, yeah, I think, the, the, as I recall, they've, they've travelled across space from their own planet yeah specifically to come to earth yes. somewhere very close to watford um <laughs> they've, they've overrun watford heard about the harry potter exhibition that's right yeah <laughs> so they're digging a tunnel to remove the magnetic core hmm. and fire that into the sun yes. so that then they can pilot the earth like a big spaceship and i think the reason it's in watford is there's some kind of magnetic anomaly near there, which is what the doctor uses in the end. But yeah. um, as much sense as any of that makes, I think that's yes. what it is. Does that ring any bells? Yeah, that's, yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's exactly it, I think. I do yeah. like the idea of them using the, the, the Earth as a spaceship. That's I know. Yeah. preposterous and ridiculous, but I yeah. kind of like yeah. it. Of all of the empty planets or moons or asteroids they could have gone to they decided to come to Watford instead <laughs> Watford the magnetic center of England <laughs> if you're a Dalek the but, but also it's got that the sort of fatal flaw in their plan is that the thing the, the very thing that they want to extract it it ultimately ends up being their demise doesn't it yeah. That's right, yeah. Uh, yeah, all you need is a few planks of wood, it, it seems. Well, and a Bernard Cribbins. <laughs> and a Bernard Cribbins, yeah. yeah. We all need a Bernard Cribbins. <laughs> yeah. 
So, so one of the things that the Daleks can do in this as well is that they can robotize people. And there's a very sort of strange sequence where where uh, Doctor Who uh, and his and his merry band are taken into a room inside the Dalek ship. They're captured by the Daleks, taken into a ship, and the Doctor, quick as a flash, f- works out how to get out of the room gets out of the room and then the Daleks recapture them and they say, oh, well done, you have passed the intelligence <laughs> test. You will be robotized." And then you're thinking, well, what happens to the people who don't pass the intelligence test? They just they're the, no, they're, in the they're room. sent to the mine, aren't they? They're the ones sent, they're the ones the sent to the mine. Okay, yeah. yeah. That lead up to that, that, that big ramp set, I think is really stunning, you know, for the scale of it. So if you can imagine, if you've not seen this film, there's this huge Dalek spaceship that the Daleks live on. And then there's this ramp that drops down to to let them out, and <laughs> oh what? <laughs> well, I mean, again, my big problem with the Daleks, I think, at this stage, is that the imagination of the creators of the Daleks is not matched by the design of the, the, their environment, because not only does the ramp <laughs> it's like a death trap <laughs> to the Dalek. <laughs> because because one person like grabs hold of the Dalek snout and like flings them down <laughs> down the, down the ramp. They they sort of skittle down the ramp and then it explode at the bottom of the ramp. But it's it's um I just feel that they're 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 sort of the way that they move is just not suitable for for anything really <laughs> I mean, they just yeah, they, they get they have stuck a similar, in everything yeah they have a similar uh, view of health and safety as the the empire in star wars don't they you don't yeah you don't need railings you no don't need, railings at all no, no. no the only place they have railings is where that that bomb drops down at the end in the in the control room but the, they have that in the control room maybe we're jumping ahead a bit but in the control room they've got that kind of uh, dog leg ramp thing or uh, yeah. C-shaped ramp that they go down, which I think I was reading about cause lots of problems and uh, tense moments for the the, the the guys inside. Right, so it's diffi- one false yeah, of course. And, yeah. It's difficult to turn corners on your tiny little tricycle. <laughs> yeah. <inside. laughs> so it feels now, like I can tell oh, you God, now sorry. that that. Um, Neil, then he started his campaign now. I can sense it. <laughs> Matt Brown has begun his campaign. He's he's worming his way into your head. I feel I feel I've got one. I mean, I just think that the 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 Daleks. Uh, I don't know. It, the things that I think are terrifying about them are their voices. Yeah, I think. And also this sort of idea that they are just re- relentless and they, there's no compassion and they just want to destroy and they just want to kill. Those things, I think, are like fabulous and terrifying. But I just think that the way that, they, <laughs> the way that they've been built and the way that they move kind of really undermines all of that because they end up being able to be very easily <laughs> overcome <laughs> by flinging them down a ramp. Well, there is that, but I think there is there is something a little bit odd and sinister about just them sliding around as well. That possibly you know that, that there's a sense of of threat within that weirdly. But yeah, you're right. I think it's it, no, it he's take... wrong. <laughs> <laughs> he's very wrong. Well, I mean, when, Sorry, I, when I was I'm watching gonna... it with Professor Murray, he made this point. Which I thought was is very valid, but it's like all of their so so the the, the sort of the weapons that they have at their disposal in this are this this sort of like the smoke is back the mm. the gas is back 
mm. um, which is different from the TV show, isn't it? Because in the TV show, it's more like a, kind of like an electricity or a ray or something. It's a laser, yeah. 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 Um, so the, I think I think that the smoke is just I just think it looks utterly ridiculous. Um, oh, really? Now yeah. you see, I I you really like, like the smoke. Yeah, I, I like the fact that it was different from the TV show, and again, it felt like it was maybe a touching on those kind of world war Two things you know with kind of you know oh, um, mustard you know, gas. yeah exactly yeah that yeah. kind of thing yeah and I, and I thought just when 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 they gang up and they're all shooting their their gas <laughs> uh together i thought there was just you know there's a lovely sequence where that guy is running uh jumping up the roof and then they, it falls down and they all gas him and and i just thought that was really really good now you're laughing but <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because i at, this, at that scene because it's um so one of the one of the workers escapes momentarily yeah. and has a chance to escape and instead of sort of running in a straight line, he runs up a <laughs> up a pile of bricks, <laughs> scrambles onto the roof. It's the most you know uh, yeah. doomed doomed effort to escape ever. Sorry. One of my favourite bits is when that that loose slimy guy who oh, yes. double crosses them. Yes. It, it's, he's 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 delivered what the Daleks want, and then they have no use for him anymore. And he runs inside the big B and Q shed, and then they kill him. But when I was young, I thought that was terrifying. Yeah, no, that is, yeah. I agree, that is yeah. terrifying because it's it's ruthlessness, isn't it? Yes, it, it's yeah. just you know you've you've you you're no longer any use to us. So yeah, it? exactly. We, yeah, uh, although they do, it, they do. I mean, uh, one criticism I. Have is that surely just one Dalek could do that? <laughs> <laughs> don't, need, don't need fifty Daleks to I think blow up his head. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the, so the the weapons though, again, I, I think this is a problem with the design. Is that they're sort of um, they the, the, so the, so there's the sort of the smoke comes out of a of a tube that moves up or down, mm. and because they are so so sort of awkward moving. Then it means that they've got it's a they're very slow and also it's it's like there's a there's a scene where the doctor and his and his friend jump down a manhole to to escape oh. and it's like it's like <laughs> the Daleks just can't cope with that at all because they can't, they can't sort of like get their get their smoke at the right angle sort of thing. We've all had days like that. We have all had days Quickly, like that. Quickly, yeah. tilt me up, tilt me up. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why they, they decided on the whole Robomen. Uh, that's true. Yeah, uh, plot, yeah and know? they had laser guns. Yeah, they did have laser yeah. guns. The, I think uh, I read that the gas thing was was a, a budgetary thing that they worked out how much all of the laser things would cost to do. So they went, well, let's use a fire extinguisher instead. Right. It's a bit cheaper. But so. the, the, the Daleks had done that. The Daleks had done that. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, it was an in-universe decision. <laughs> <laughs> they can't afford to travel that far in that ship that they <laughs> sacrifice their guns. Exactly. We've used all the budget on petrol, so you're gonna to have to have uh, gas guns now, guys. Yeah. Sorry. The the Robo men I thought were, mm. were hilarious. They looked I thought a bit like the Liam Neeson Lego cop character. Isn't there supposed to be a good cop? <clears throat> oh yes, but we're not done yet. Hi, buddy. I'm your friendly neighborhood police officer. Would you like a glass of water? Yeah, yeah, actually. Too fine. bad. The robots have this sort of su this sustenance that they need, which, again, we were saying is essentially like they've thought, the props master's thought, how oh, God, well, 
<laughs> what can we do? And so it's just jelly. It's literally jelly beans on paper plates, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, what did you think of Bernard Cribbins in this film? I, I think, I mean, you know, Bernard Cribbins can do no wrong uh, in yeah. in any film, really. Yeah. Um, and and he's, you know, I think this is part part of the issue with the film as a whole is what 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 is the tone of the film, and we we kind of swing wildly from these kind of comic moments to uh to to trying to be a bit more scary but actually bernard cribbins if you want somebody to do a comic moment of trying to pretend to be a robo man then bernard cribbins is the perfect person to do that and i think he does that really really well but then he also does kind of being the hero really well later on you know i think he kind of swings between the the two but yeah i just i mean you know i think he's bernard is a is was a fantastically gifted comic actor i agree i think bernard Cummins is just just a, one of our absolute sort of cultural treasures mm-hmm. and i thought that um i thought he did a great job in this i did think that it was a bit that the material he was given was a little bit thin well exactly um, yeah um there was something um Stephen, you might know this because your research is very good but there was something that i read about peter cushing being ill for a lot of this film yeah, so his his role was reduced so i wonder if then they've ah. tried to expand bernard's role but maybe haven't kind of factored that into they had his to story. pause production for two weeks while he was was ill and they got rounded by doing uh, other scenes that they weren't supposed to do at that particular time and i think yeah possibly he got a little bit more extra there's a whole section that's on the ship which it really is just bernard cribbins running through corridors which does feel like they could probably have cut that down a little bit. Yeah. I, I do remember the, the bit that I really disliked as a, as a child watching this was that whole him pretending to be a robo man. I just yeah. thought it was silly. It was you know, as as an adult, you know, I can see, as I said, that Bernard does a great job with it, but actually it it, it feels like just a really silly uh, sequence. Yeah, I mean, well, regardless of what you think of it, it was it's very well paced, and up at that point, then it just kind of loses that. That's yeah. true. It loses yeah. that momentum. Yeah. Because you know you, we're all expected to sit there and and have a good old laugh at him. It's like a, <laughs> yes. a, like a, a yeah. break. Yeah. yeah. We really don't want it. We want we want all the sinister action. To come. Yeah. That's true. No, absolutely. I actually don't think Doctor Who now isn't is for kids because it has changed. Well, in fact, I think Russell T Davis this week has said it's not for kids. Has he? Yeah, I think so. Really? Yeah. Things change. Things mm. do change. Yeah, things do change. One thing that, that, that one other thing <laughs> I thought about this is I mentioned it to Stephen. Is this, this, um, are you familiar with che- Chekhov's gun? Yes. Yeah. The, yes. Which is that if, if you see, if you, if you show a gun in Act One, then it's got to be fired in Act Four yeah. or whatever. And, um, I, fe- I felt there were quite a few things in this where, you see something and you think, "Oh, I wonder what's, I wonder what that's going to be," <laughs> and then it's absolutely never broken off again. But there's the the sequence where uh, Susan comes up with the idea of writing a message to uh, to Doctor Who on a retractable wall, yeah. uh, so it's like a door that sort of like so. So every time he goes, he every time you think he's going to see it, the door retracts and the the message is is invisible. But but it makes absolutely no difference because they both end up going to the same place anyway. Yeah, um, so yeah. Or their reunion is really <laughs> contrived, isn't it? It's, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's absolutely pointless. Yeah, so yeah, you're right. There's a few bits like that that probably probably needed another round of right, uh, rewrites, <laughs> maybe just to, <laughs> to polish things up just a little bit. Yeah. So the the upshot is that the Daleks don't uh, destroy the Earth. 
that there's that um, that Bernard Cribbins and Doctor Who and Susan and Louise and the Resistance fighters ultimately manage to overcome the Daleks. Mm. I think you can safely say that they're hoisted by their own petard, since yeah. the petard mm. is a bomb. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the, the, the Daleks are trying to place this bomb in the middle of the Earth to, uh, so, you know, remove the magnetic thing. Mm. Which doesn't uh, seem to affect them anyway. No. What, what the, ma- the, magnets, the, the magnetic force yeah. field. Yeah, but that's the thing that sort of ultimately um, destroys them, isn't it? Because they're sucked, yeah, it is. sucked into the hole by the magnets. Yeah, only because it's kind of been, it's been unleashed yes. by the bomb. But, but is it just that there's something unique in the Daleks that means they get sucked in? Or is it just a magnetic thing? Because if it's magnetic, then obviously cars, fillings, yeah. cutlery, yeah. all these things should be oh, would, flying down the hole I would well. love to see that scene with all of the people's <laughs> fillings. <laughs> yes. I think we have to hope that it's something unique to the Daleks. Yes, I think we do yeah. have to hope that. As what well. do you think about the colours versus the TV series being kind of quite, obviously it was black and white, but even even so they were quite monotone in their design compared to the I the really like the black and gold one. I think there could have been a little bit more sinister with, with the colouring. In the original film there was supposed to be a hierarchy. Yeah, that they were like different ranks of Dalek. Yeah. I think that they should have lent into that a bit more. That I yeah. think that they that they that, that would have been quite a like the it mauve ones could have just been the drones. It could have yeah, added and, to the kind of the militaristic feel of them. Yeah, true. Unless are they, I mean, are, are Daleks, do they live in a sort of like a, a democratic utopia? Are they all, are they all, <laughs> are they all afforded equal status? Uh, no, they're not because we've got, I mean, putting Davros to one side for mm. a moment, but there is a, there is a Dalek emperor, um, there is commanders sometimes or supreme Daleks sometimes. Okay. So that the, there is a, I would say it's a very flat command structure for most of them, and then there's one or two that sort of uh, spring up with a different colour or a slightly higher um, skirt yes. uh, to them that uh, that uh, differentiates them from the, the drones, if we want to call them that. And there was a lot less exposition in this. There film, was, <laughs> there was a lot less. There's a lot yeah. Yeah, in that first film. There's Quite so, talking. oh god, yeah. yeah, it's just so boring. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was that was a blessed relief. The young one is approaching the forest. She will be there in a moment now. If she returns with the drug, am I to allow? The prisoners to use some. No, their only value is to bring us the drug to duplicate for ourselves. Let them die. Now, Neil, on this show, we do like to rate our robots Mm. to determine whether we think they're shit or not. And the Daleks so far have been uh, determined to be shit. Uh, <laughs> I'd I'd put a tinfoil hat on to to prevent his penetrating rays getting no, to you. Look, I've got no. I honestly don't don't mind what the answer is to the. I I'm the, I don't. I know what I think, and I mm. think that for the reasons that I've probably laid out in this, that I think that they are shit because I think that they they like there are quite a few films we've seen where we've determined that that robots are shit. Because, for example, they've not been able to get upstairs, or mm. they're they're bit they're, they 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 can't get in and out of cars very easily, so they're sort of not fit for purpose. 
Well, I saw there is a scene where there's a Dalek at the top of a flight of stairs. <laughs> yes. a, he's standing there at the top of an escape, and I bounced up and down in my seat and pointed at it. <laughs> help, at the top help. of some stairs. I have taken a wrong turn. I cannot get down these fire escape. I think there's a, there's an element of um, aspiration about them because they, in spite of the fact that they're not able to climb a stair in the way yeah. that we do, yeah. they have taken over the galaxy. So I think they're um, yeah. they're a lesson in overcoming your Adversity. shortcomings, for want of a better term, yeah. and actually exceeding and succeeding and killing, which is. <laughs> It's never bad it's thing. And 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 water being in water, they can they can exactly. exist underwater. Yeah. Yeah. I think they water, are yeah. improved. They're definitely the an improvement, I'd say. Mm. Yeah. Where would you place them then? I mean, I'm I, I'm assuming you don't think they're shit. I don't think they are shit, and um, I think they are menacing, even in spite of the the the, the points that you raised about the way that they move and that their uh, their accessibility issues you know they have overcome all of those um they uh they are ruthless in killing collaborators they are and, can't deny um, that no and just generally making a mess of london in, in the future which you know i think for me i think i would give it a nice solid eight eight <gasps> yeah s murray yeah prof s murray I was I was just lit I was gonna if they were six the last time I was gonna up them to seven. Okay. But I mean, do you know what? We we haven't written any uh Dalek narratives, have we? No. Matt. No. So I I'm bowing down. Exactly. I am kneeling Neil kneeling has, before Neil. Neil. Hasn't written any Dalek narratives either. <laughs> no, it's true. <laughs> we did specifically ask him that question at the beginning. So so this what are you gonna are you gonna give them a seven? Yeah. Okay. Well I, uh, are we gonna take an aggregate then? Oh, here we go. He's going to give them a minus three for one. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. I think that they're better. I think they're the best that I've seen. So I'd give them a. I'd happily give them a six, which gives them a Yay. score of a seven, which means that they are officially <gasps> our first not shit Daleks. Brilliant, Neil. Thank you so much. Thank you. So lovely to to see you again and to, yeah. to chat. And you take great Thank care. You. This uh, is this episode is the end of our season six. So we'll, we're going to have a big lie down before we look again at the season seven. Although there might be a few little little treats in store before then. Little Christmas treats. Maybe a few little Christmas treats, yeah. Um, so until we meet again, goodbye. 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 <laughs>